Welcome to issue 155 of Critical Encounters, a podcast about Marvel Champions, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Here we take a good look at that most critical piece of the game, the encounter sets. We'll discuss those poorly understood characters, unfairly labeled villains, and their various plans to shape humanity and benefit the planet, as well as the so-called heroes intent on thwarting them. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel, and joining me tonight is Steve. Hey, Daniel. How are you? How are you? Feeling good. Feeling good. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. You got a lot of work to do tonight. Well, so. I, got a lot, I got a lot of talking tonight, so I got to save my voice. Yeah, so. Just good? Oh, man. We have no idea what he's going to talk about. Not a bit. And that other voice you hear is the charming and lovely Mike. How are you? Well, hello. I'm doing good, Daniel. Actually, I'm doing extra good. Extra good? Why? Do you know why? Tell me. This, I'm so excited. This is our first issue of Volume 4. My goodness. Which yeah. is, what, four more volumes than we thought we'd do? <laughs> three and a three half. more three more volumes yeah yeah three and a half yeah so well pleasure to be back with you guys for another year absolutely we've all re-signed our contracts with steve right uh yeah yeah i'm still waiting on a signature the bloodletting yeah. so mm-hmm. i don't think he's coming back mm-hmm. yeah. oh well yeah well i'm looking at the show notes steve and there's um there's some words here yeah, yeah. there's some words yeah. so what this are we actually what are we talking my about? record holy moly <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Um, well, we're going to talk about the Sinister Motives symbiotic strength set. Okay. So we need to discuss what a symbiote is. And there's a lot to the symbiotes. Um, well, first of all, you can call them symbiotes, symbiotes, or symbiotes. You can take your pick. What? Mm. Yep. However you no, want to pronounce can't. it. No, yes, you, you can't. Can. I found that on an official Marvel page. Right. Oh. Pretty sure that I'm a sim- I'm a symbiote. Yeah, I'm a symbiote too. It's Ma- symbiote. It's symbiote. Well, maybe other um, no nope. places in the world have accents. <laughs> now, whatever, Mike. How do you say process? Process. <laughs> oh, you used to say process. Well, yeah, process. <laughs> works too. Okay, sorry, Mike. I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Now I'm going to be a symbiote. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> the symbiotes, or the symbiotes, that they're a species of inorganic, I didn't know that, inorganic, amorphous, symbiotic extraterrestrials created from the living abyss at the beginning of the universe by the primordial deity Null. Now, that's K-N-U-L-L, so we could argue so about So Steve would say Knull. Knull, yeah. Way to call him out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Null had manifested a sword of living darkness called the All Black from his own shadow to slaughter the Celestials and other deities. Oh. Okay. So the Living yeah. Abyss, also known as Anti-Life, Black Icker uh, or Necro Power, it's like an algic substance originating from the primordial void that existed before and between the iterations of the multiverse. Uh, ostensibly as an opposite reaction to the creation of life and light by the Celestials, and as such, it is connected to Oblivion, who's one of those ancient cosmic entities who embodies the primordial void itself. Steve, I'm already so lost. That is way more complicated than I expected. Yeah. the symbiotes are actually nothing? Yes. They're actually necropower? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Hold on. We haven't made a full-on symbiotes yet. Uh, 
So Oblivion is one of these cosmic abstract entities. He's the progenitor of death. I say he, but really it's an it. Uh, Oblivion predates the multiverse and represents like non-existence and is a counterforce to the expanding universe. All right, and we know celestials are all powerful cosmic beings created by the first firmament. Uh, the celestials rebel against their creator and aspirant, their counterparts, in a war that shattered the first universe into the first multiverse. Celestials are involved in the creation of new universes, including that of our prime 616 Marvel universe. So that's sort of like the cosmology that all these symbiotes connect to, like right in the beginning. And you thought they were just Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize they, they got this big in the lore. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're still going. All right, so Null is an eldritch god of darkness, right? Creator of the symbiotes. He's born from the primordial void that existed between the sixth and seventh cosmoses. Null claims the dominion over the void and to be its avatar. And while he is a god of the void, he is not the primordial darkness itself. He becomes awakened by the light when the celestials invade the kingdom of darkness. And he creates the first symbiote in the form of his sword that I mentioned. And he uses it to decapitate a celestial. So then he uses the celestial's head's divine power to refine the blade, creating like a metaphysical connection between the primordial symbiote and the slain cosmic god, which would be the source of most of his tremendous power. Experimenting with that power, Null discovers he can create the amorphous parasites from the darkness he controls and merge them with lesser creatures. So he decides to do that in a way so he can corrupt the light. So now we're into symbiotes. Kind of. Okay. Uh, okay. Wow. Um... So they're they're coming from the darkness because they're always just talked about as just another type of creature, not necessarily something born into evil, like an uncreature. Yeah, uh, this oblivion. Yeah, it, they're very it's very interesting concept. Um, okay, so timeline wise, we don't know the exact when he first creates the symbiotes that we know, but he uses his power. He starts to amass a massive army and establishes himself as the nexus of these things hive mind so they have a hive mind using them he conquers countless planets and devours entire civilizations across billions of years at the beginning of the the multiverse the the universe and all that sort of stuff at some point early in his crusade against the light through experimenting with his abilities he creates this life out of darkness he learns he can manifest into these massive wyvern-like monsters that are Kind of like symbiote dragons. Okay. Have we seen those in like the movies? I don't think there so. There are dragony things all over the place, right? Like Doctor Strange fights a dragony looking thing. Oh, maybe in one of his uh, multiverses, possibly. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Sorry. Okay. No, no. So they're <laughs> these, these symbiote dragons, they're powerful enough to kill most gods. Um, they're used as everything from mounts to weapons, mass destruction. They're capable of annihilating entire civilizations. Uh, and the the constituent living abyss that makes up the dragon can be used to smother an entire planet or like oh. infect a god. And sort of like a mortal could be infected by the smaller symbiote offshoots that we're going to talk about. So there's two main dragons that they give names to. Grendel and Grendel's mother. What? From Earth lore, yes. I knew you liked this uh, part, Daniel. Is one of them actually called Grendel's mother? Yes, Grendel yes. and Grendel's mother. She's the second monster that Beowulf fights. Oh, oh. This is Beowulf, yeah? I mean, that's yeah, yeah, when, yeah. 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 Okay. So, however, the truth in the Marvel canon is slightly different than standard Beowulf lore, but Beowulf's okay. lore is rooted in here. So, in the 6th century, uh, the two symbiote dragons arrive on Earth. 
They establish a lair in a cave hidden behind a waterfall in Denmark. They embark on a campaign of slaughter, subjugate the planet. Their goal is to raise entire cities, the ground, and ravenously devour any wildlife and humans that they come across. Hmm. Mistaken for the monstrous dark elf called Grendel, there's the black symbiote dragon, Grendel. So there's like this weird thing where they kind of use the same name and it's involved, sure. but there's some mistaken identity. Um, That's like when I use Steve whenever I go to the bank. Oh. <laughs> I hope you're making deposits. <laughs> so, so since these things are part of a hive mind, Null can like remote pilot them or command them via the hive mind from okay. across fast distances. So he's remote piloting Grendel. He lays siege to Herat Hall. Yep. Um, then it's then attacked by the Asgardian thunder god we know as Thor Odinson. And Grendel attempts to kill Thor, but Thor uses his divine lightning, defeats Grendel, and traps him inside a glacier. And that is the basis for like Beowulf slaying a dragon. There's some mistaken identity there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, Interesting. I like yeah. it. So like old Norse carvings depict this battle. They're they're made, and there's a becomes a symbiote worshiping cult um, that reveals this piece of Grindel as the living abyss, and there's this whole thing, right? Um, you know, Steve, I know a podcast that's going to be talking a lot about Beowulf in the not so distant future. Awesome. I'll have to I'll have to listen to that thing finally. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so when Grendel is blasted by Thor's lightning and defeated, Null loses his connection to the symbiotes. He is severed. The hive mind is severed. Destabilized, the symbiotes, like all the smaller ones and the dragons, they, all, they seek out hosts to start to give their lives context because they're no longer driven and controlled by Null. So they want context and existence. They need meaning in their life. And some of the symbiotes had already been bonded with benevolent hosts. They then poison their hive mind with those icky traits like nobility and honor. And they decide that they are going to rebel against Null, all of his teachings. They imprison him in the center of an artificial planet somewhere out in the Andromeda galaxy. They name it Clintar, and they name themselves the Clintar, which is their word for cage. And become good because of the hosts that they have absorbed who were good hosts. But so we have these symbiotes who are the, you know, the black things we've seen taking over forms like Venom um, who want to be good. They are ashamed of their dark origins. Uh, They feel, you know, they feel guilt and uh, shame, really. And the ones on Clintar start to invent and perpetuate a lie that their species was naturally benevolent. So endeavoring to spread this peace throughout the universe, they establish their own hive mind that's capable of sensing what they call the voice of the cosmos. And they create an intergalactic peacekeeping society called the agents of the cosmos by using the symbiosis that they need to subsist because they have to, they have to bond with people. So they only bond with worthy hosts who are noble warriors and that sort of thing, who have a positive and noble outlook. But to achieve this perfect symbiosis, they, they need this perfect blend of moral and physical ideals. And if they don't get that perfect blend, the resulting symbiosis corrupts both the symbiote and the host, and they become these evil, you know, ravenous beasts. Um, which is interesting. So because what they do is 
they the good ones want to expunge their violent past, so they cut off the ones who are corrupted or don't conform to the noble Clintar hive mind now. Uh, they develop this means to cleanse them and kick them out, but all that does is create all these lone, vicious, evil, ravenous symbiotes that have no structure or society behind them. Well, what percentage of humanity oh. is like good enough or noble enough to be joined with one of these things? Not a lot of humanity. Um, Captain America? Yeah. Uh, and there's, a, there's a lot of characters who are eventually bonded with symbiotes, but we're talking galactic scale too, right? So right. way out there, non-humans, um, that sort of thing. So Okay. Uh, it's pretty interesting how they, the good guys, the, the ones that are good, basically create this, by severing and just cutting off the other ones, allow the corruption to grow over there. And they keep lying about that. Oh, we're really good people. We've always been good people when really they haven't been they're, I mean, they're not people either, but um, understood. All right. So the exiled corrupted symbiotes resume infecting and overtaking entire planets, spreading what the symbiotes claimed was misinformation about their benevolent counterparts. And as a result, despite the agents of the cosmos's efforts, the species as a whole redevelops the reputation for being predatory monsters that dominate their hosts mentally and physically while parasitically feeding off their emotions and their bodies. Because those are the only ones that are being released. Well, the only ones people see, yeah. 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 Uh, the corrupted symbiotes tend to force their hosts to perform spectacular and terrifying feats in order to feed off the adrenaline and other hormones, such as phenethylamine. Eventually, the host would be sucked dry of all their vital fluids, they'll collapse from exhaustion due to the constant stress and exertion, or they just die in some ridiculous stunt, right? Or battle or something like that. Whereupon the symbiote just seeks a new host. Uh, let, let the rinse repeat here. So, All right, so while the corrupted symbiotes are cut off from their species hive mind and purportedly unable to access their full potential, it has been noted on several occasions that certain long-lived specimens become more powerful over time. Usually by bonding to multiple successive hosts, they can develop increased resistance to heat and sonics with repeated exposure. And in some cases, they undergo spontaneous mutations. They'll develop new abilities such as the character, the symbiote known as Carnage and Maniac. Um, those symbiotes develop the ability to infect others with offshoots formed from pieces of their own biomass. Uh, the Venom symbiote and the Carnage symbiote are able to feed off negative emotions, and the latter being able to convert negative emotions into more biomass, making itself bigger. And then mm -hmm. successive generations of symbiotes are also more powerful than their predecessors, and these feral symbiotes, the non-Clintar ones, are instinctually indifferent or downright hostile towards their progenitors and their progeny. There's a lot of corrupted symbiotes with names. There's one called, right, we know Venom, Carnage, Toxin. There's one called Zix, Zax. It's Zax without the A. Z-Z-Z-X-X. -Z -Z Completely different, right? Utterly different, yeah. When I first saw that, I thought, oh, man. Zax and a symbiote merge, which one takes over the brain of the other? Uh, I don't even know how that would work. Right, but it's not him. It's totally different, unrelated, some other planet, whatever. Um, something with the Shi'ar Empire and stuff. Right, so these guys, they possess like a ravenous predatory appetite for the flesh of other life forms and will influence or, fo or force their hosts to commit cannibalism to satiate that. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, uh. It's for this reason that like the feral symbiotes consider themselves to be the ultimate predators in the universe and are pretty much regarded with revulsion and terror by most other species out there. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The so Venom and Carnage are considered 
corrupt. They both are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're these feral ones who aren't the Clintar. And I mean, Venom is a, a villain for a very long time and then becomes a good guy for a little while because Marvel tries to rewrite history or becomes an anti-hero. Right. I mean, we'll learn more about Venom when you do Venom. But yeah, uh, I would say he's one of these feral predators, at least. We'll have to find out more about him later. Yes, I will. <laughs> so a symbiote's influence over its host can be resisted, and it can be suppressed through a number of means. Uh, willpower, chemical sedatives, which is what Flash Thompson and the government does for a while. Um, symbiotes in general are weak to intense heat and sonics, which is why I think we have the bell tower, right? Mm-hmm. Although successive generations can develop a resistance to those weaknesses, and an individual symbiote can become more resilient over time, can build up its own resistance. And this I thought was neat. Symbiotes can also amalgamate with one another to become more powerful. So they can join their biomass together and become one bigger, more powerful symbiote. That's kind of cool. Yeah. This part's pretty insidious too. So even if you separate a symbiote from a host, trace remnants of the symbiote's living abyss called its codex will remain in the host's body. And the purpose of the Codex is to share information about the host with the rest of the hive mind. Though the host can use that to like track the symbiote if it gets separated from it. So there's still a connection there, even after the symbiote's removed. And then the remnants of the symbiote uh, leaves within its host that's left within its host can be reactivated if exposed to additional symbiote biomass or other stimuli, like the light from the center of the unit, from celestial and that sort of stuff. Although... They can also reject it, and they can attempt to expel additional biomass. So, like, some stimulus might kick it out, some might reactivate it. And then symbiotes can absorb the codex of other symbiotes from who were, like, if symbiote number two connects to host number one who had a different symbiote, they can activate the previous symbiote's codex to gain new unique powers, temporarily, temporarily acquire new traits, <laughs> th those sort of things. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, yeah. There's, they're pretty uh, potent and intense creatures. But they do have that weakness to intense sonic vibrations and heat, with known exceptions being one called Payback, and then the Grendel symbiote as well. Um, Null reveals that it's a psychosomatic vulnerability dating back to their creation. So that weakness to fire and sonic is psychosomatic. It's in their minds. It's not even real, which is pretty cool. Huh. Uh, yeah, uh, but later generations that Null eventually makes, because Null gets free at a certain point and makes more, um, he breeds that out of them. And there's a really good, the King and Black series that has to do with Null and symbiotes and symbiote dragons and all sorts of stuff. It's a big, it's a big series. All right, so we're almost done. We're almost done. They're fully aware, completely sentient creatures, but in their natural state, they're vicious predators, compelling their hosts to violence, right? They corrupt them. Um, like we said, they can be. Influenced by their hosts, which did force them to you know, forsake their dark nature. The symbiotes of Clintar, however, have no notable cultural traits, or at least none that other civilizations understand, nor do they express themselves through literature, art, or music, which is kind of sad. Um, outside of a desire to maintain peace across the galaxy with their agents of the cosmos, the symbiotes only gain some form of cultural identity when they are bonded to a host. And then the symbiotes who broke away, the malevolent ones, their main goal really is to just conquer the universe. So, Well, Steve, I'm trying to like get into the science of all this stuff. Isn't 
everyone a symbiote by now? Well, if yeah, at some point, a million characters have been infected by a symbiote. They had a symbiote attached to them at some point. Um, so I have some notable symbiote bonds. And now all these characters you're about to name still have that codex in them. They still have the codex in them. If right, if Marvel canon is consistent, uh, <laughs> and we know change. it is. Yeah. Yep. Um, so the ones, so I have a list here. Uh, the list is huge, but these are ones that we have characters for in our game, Marvel Champions. Okay. So these, I think, would be great candidates for that symbiote suit upgrade card that you can put out there because they have been a, a symbiote in the past. Uh, Wolverine, Carol Danvers, Miles Morales. Uh, he's not necessarily in the game, but J. Jonah Jameson, I thought that was interesting. What? Uh, wow. Yeah, no. Peter Parker, we know. Mysterio. Ooh. She-Hulk. Uh, Mac Gargan, a.k.a. Scorpion. Hmm. Flash Thompson. Uh, there was a point where Groot and Rocket both are symbiotes. Or have symbiotes. <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, of course. Hulk. That, that one's a little scary. Um, the character known as Scarlet Spider. I hear he's broken. <laughs> a little. Uh, Steve Rogers. He's a symbi- he has a symbiote bonded at one point. Clint Barton. Daniel. He, this guy's not in our game, but Dr. Carlin Malice that we just talked about. I talked about him recently. Yes, yes. He had a symbiote. Uh, Great. Yeah. Norman Osborn, and of course, your favorite, Tony Stark. So, Oof. Nice. He found a symbiote compatible with him? Well, he had one. I didn't say, you know, who knows? That had to have been a short-lived relationship. Like, a symbiote's like, oh my god, this guy's repellent. He's like, this is all about us, and he's like, this is all about me. I, I can't see that going anywhere. I thought I was the monster. Yeah. Well, I found this cool family tree of known symbiotes from Earth 616 I just want to talk about real quick. And I'll post this in the show notes and on our social media. Uh, we have Null, who's the creator of all the symbiotes. And he creates a sword all black, uh, something called Void Knight, Grendel, and Venom. Okay. And then Grendel, there's a Sim Soldier program. That's this whole thing. They use Grendel and they create a symbiote called Tyrannosaurus. I don't know if it's a T-Rex symbiote or if they just use the name. I like the picture of T-Rex in like a Venom suit. So. <laughs> oh God, please make it a real T-Rex. With a flamethrower, right? <laughs> like, it'd be great. Okay. Uh, Venom it mutates into a character eventually called Anti-Venom. Guess what color he is? But um, ching Is it white? <laughs> it's white with black yeah. highlights. Yeah. Uh, and then a character, um, he's cloned and there's a character called Mania. That is a clone of Venom. Because that's what you want to do is clone them. Uh, but Venom spawns. Because symbiotes are asexual creatures who lay eggs. And those eggs spawn into other symbiotes. But they're inorganic. They're inorganic. So they're more like... But you can clone them. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> there's all kinds of whatever. <laughs> so from Venom, we get Carnage and Sleeper. And then from Carnage, you get Raze, Toxin, and Scorn. Venom is Generation 998 of the Symbiotes. 998th Generation of Symbiotes. That makes Carnage Generation 999, and that makes this Toxin Generation 1000, which is like the uber most powerful generation of uh, Symbiotes. And there's like a whole thing, like every thousand generations, it's you, you, you just don't mess with it. Even Carnage is scared of these it's his own offspring or its own offspring. And then Venom is they 
this group called the Life Foundation forcibly extracts biomass and, I don't know, something else from Venom in order to create more symbiotes called Scream, Riot, Phage, Agony, and Lasher. And that during a, during a situation, those last four, um, they combine themselves into one massive symbiote called Hybrid, namely, you know, aptly named. And then there's like four other named symbiotes in the lore that don't have any, we don't know their origin. Dreadface, Znix, Payback, and Marcus. Marcus. Or Marcus's symbiote, well, well, I guess, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the host's name was Marcus, so that's, you know, that's what you get. Well, there you go. That's some Symbiote 101. That, that was just 101? That's 101. I like the whole degree. That's a lot. Holy. Yeah, I, didn't, I mean, you could go into each of these characters, and they have massive storylines. So. Yeah, that is a lot of... Uh, it almost reads like a video game leveling system for how they absorb each other and get more powerful. And boy, I, I think of you guys ever play uh, Starcraft with the Zerg or Warhammer 40k with the Tyranids. I think of them like their whole biomass thing is kind of right. Yeah, hive mind idea. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, there's a species out there that eats symbiotes, yeah. and at one point. There's like there's only a few issues of it uh, that I could tell, but at some point they, you know, they show up and they just eat a bunch of symbiotes. <laughs> so the symbiotes are freaked out about it. So I don't even want to get into the physics of that. Yeah, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't <laughs> dial, delve too deep, but I was like, oh, they, they do get eaten by something, so that doesn't put them at the top of the food chain. Yeah. yeah. Do they have a lifespan? I mean, venom is like created. I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Grendel's still alive even now after being captured and frozen and then let go and so hmm. and he was one of the early ones uh, it's tricky because they're made in between the multiverses creation and destruction i didn't see anywhere where it was like they just grow and die i didn't see that hmm. wild that's a lot for a, a I, non-unique minion that we're going to talk been about bamboozled and confuzzled by your guys' stories before, but this one I do not have the required PhD to fully understand. I think what we take away from this is don't get symbioted. Is that a word? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't I'm thinking that. the way that I might be a symbiote right now and not even really know. Oh, could be. Oof. All right. <laughs> no, <Nope>, safe. <laughs> but Steve, we only bring up this stuff because there's some kind of card attached to it, right? Yes, these cards, we're talking about the Symbiotic Strength Modular Set that comes in the Sinister Motives box. There are nine total cards, six by title. This set is used in Venom and Venom Goblin scenarios out of that campaign box. I see. Okay. I talked a lot. Somebody else read the card. Well, I feel like I've seen this first one a lot. Uh, I think I've read this one. I think you have too, Daniel. This is the... I bet. Oh, wait. <laughs> Mustafa and Steve, you both, they both read this one too. Yep. Uh, this is the Enraged Symbiote. One scheme, two attack, symbiote trait, two measly hit points, but guard and patrol, and the special mm. boost put Enraged Symbiote into play engaged with you. There it is. He's a, a simple, low-level blocker. Yeah, I mean, we get three of them, and these are identical to the ones you find in the Venom Nemesis set, which had four in that set. Fascinating. This set seems to come with some stuff that you put on bad guys. One of those is called Improvised Weapons. 
It's an attachment that it goes onto the villain and gives them a amplify. Thank you, Lord. Um, and as a hero action, you can spend one of each type of uh, resource to discard it. And it comes with a boost icon. It's. I guess improvised weapons can be that. Sure. Why not? Well, it's improvisation, right? Maybe yeah. it'll work, maybe it won't. And I, I like it. It's it's a little themey because, yeah, it's, it's based on what you draw. Well, and these weapons work uh, when he schemes as well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I I take the theme on this since it's going on the villain that maybe you have a symbiote attaching to the villain or something along those lines, right? Or somehow it's using a symbiote's ability to up its power, showing the amplify. It makes sense because when you look at the, some of the early comics especially, I mean, the symbiote does all these other things, like little pieces of biomass will lash out and strangle someone or grab a hole or whip or something. So this works. I, I, if they were to put it into a card, yeah, this makes total sense. You can even see the bits of biomass in the art. And different symbiotes, different named ones, have some different abilities too. Like Carnage can do that thing where he like shoots parts of his body out at other people, while other symbiotes can't do that because they just don't have that power yet or ability so well you know what they all do have though are violent tendencies seems like but i thought they were benevolent not these ones the corrupted ones not the yeah, corrupted these are, ones. this is definitely not a set, uh, set about the clintar this is definitely a set about the feral symbiotes or the ones under null's control all right so violent tendencies is a condition attachment with attached to the villain forced response after attached villain takes any amount of damage from an attack Give attached villain one face-down boost card. If that attack dealt three or more damage to the attached villain, discard this card. Has two boost icons. And the quote, mmm, brains. Really? <laughs> yeah. Mm, okay. Okay. Brain. Not a zombie. After he so. takes any amount of damage from an attack, give face-down. Yeah. It's, it, the power of this card totally depends on what you're playing it in and what other sets you're bringing with it. Sure. Always going to give one face down boost card, even if you do th- three or more, right? So you kind of like once this goes on the villain, you're like, oh, I got to hit him for three. You don't want to ping a onesie, twosie until you can get rid of it, really, because you don't want a bunch of boost cards. Sure. It's sort of Venom villain light, right? Yeah. yeah. There's some neat edge cases with this where, like, you don't, maybe you're in that phase where you're, you're kind of cleaning up, you're gaining traction rather than trying to hit the villain just yet. But you have to, because otherwise, if you play down your Squirrel Girl to do something, well, it's just going to trigger this. Is Retaliate optional? Well, you got to be careful, because this does say damage from an attack. Oh, really? Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. So Retaliate doesn't well, count. Well, then just scratch what I ability. said. Yeah. Totally. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the thing you have to pay attention to if you're playing in the Venom scenario, is there's a ton of triggers that trigger off attacks, and other ones that just say if they take damage. So, yep. like, read cards really closely. Because um, it's easy but to make. Steve, I don't like reading. I know, I know. <laughs> that's I know. why. That's why you can't speak Norse. So, ah, yeah. good thing you don't have a mm. show about English literature. <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely don't like reading these cards all the way through. Because you ever notice that when you get to the bottom, they get worse. I feel like you. You just don't know how the last page of every book ends. No. Oh, I figure I got enough knowledge at that point that I can move on to something else. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this next card, I love it. I'm just going to say right off the bat, I love it. It's webbed up, and it does exactly what you think it should do. 
It's a condition attachment. You attach it to your identity. Forced interrupt. When your hero would attack, discard webbed up instead. Then you are stunned. Oh. Yeah. Sound familiar? It does. Oh, yeah. A little bit. Yeah, we flipped the tables. That is Spider-Man's webbed up. Now on you. Oh, and it's got the special boost icon. You are stunned. If you are already stunned, take two damage. That's a nice little kicker. Yeah. All right, so let me play Mustafa's advocate here. Oh. Yeah. You could be webbed up. Attached, the hero could be attached to the side of a building with the webbing. It, you can still defend, and you can still thwart. So True. It's, it's too bad I didn't say, like, when your hero performs a basic action, discard webbed up instead, then you're stunned, or something like that. But the theme is great. It fits. It's really nice. It's just like, like how are you defending? <laughs> so There are plenty of times, though, when the thwart guy has to do some kind of attacking. And yeah. that includes event cards that say attack, right? So Oh, it does. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. so I feel like it's it hamstrings you a little bit. It does. Even when you're not the fighter, you, you always find yourself in that moment. You're like, oh, oh, I, I thought I could bail us out, but I'm webbed up or I'm stunned or something. Right. So, yeah, right. this is I, I could have hit this thing for two, but... Yeah, but I decided not to clear it four rounds ago. It does have that perfect mirror, though, from the other webbed up card. Yeah. That. Nice callback. Yeah. Well, let's move on to his treacheries here. Yeah, let's do it. We've got one called Swinging Assault. When revealed, if you're an alter ego, change to hero form, the villain attacks you. Wow. Oof. If if it's revealed when you're already a hero, the villain attacks you. Give the villain one additional boost (laughs) card for that activation, and it has two boost icons. Don't you losers ever learn? Wow. Yeah, and there's two of them. That seems kind of mean. It's it's really good. Mean, really mean. It's so like, nice. I love how like <laughs> that when you get to alter ego, like you end your turn there, so you can start there next turn and maybe heal or do something. Uh, yep. <laughs> I like it because it really digs at the people who are being a little too greedy. Like, yeah, I could, I could exhaust and heal, but I'll get one more hit in, or I'll exhaust, do something first. Don't worry, I'll yep. heal next turn. Right. Yeah. I love that it punishes that. You know, that the character, when you start, when this card appears, you should be readied, right? Because the player phase ended, you readied, the villain schemed, this was your encounter card. So you do have that chance to at least defend, right? So you could right. apply some defense. And you'll probably uh, have to. Yeah. Right? Flip to heal up a bit. Right. You're like, oh, I have two hit points left. That's fine. I'll take care right. of it next turn. Yeah. You could also just start your turn next turn, flipping back to Aldrigo, but that waste time. Oh, yeah. So I had I played that um, Shield Me campaign where I played Black Widow, and I never purposely flipped to hero form the entire campaign. And this card got me <laughs> once or twice. I'm like, son of a gun, you made me flip to hero form. So, but yeah, it's a it's a nice card, and it's such a surprise. So, yeah. All right, well, there's one card left in this set, and it is Unstable Sentience. Um, I was channeling some Andrew symbiote there. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) Surge. When revealed, give the villain a face-down boost card. Okay. And a special boost if this activation is an attack. This card gets plus two boost icons for this attack, and this attack gains overkill. I I like this. I mean, it doesn't do anything if the villain's scheming, right, as a boost. But as an attack card, uh, with the overkill, 
the plus two. It could actually be a three if improvised weapons is in play. So that's very nice as a boost. And then an encounter card, it searches. So who cares what it does? It's it does something plus a surge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nine cards. That's a lot uh, for for a modular set. This is a mixed bag for me. Like on is the it? one hand, there's a lot of like weak sauce stuff, and then there's some good stuff. Like improvised weapons is a good card, but one boost icon, and I never like that where the boost or the effect is really good and then the other one's really poor because it doesn't. I don't. Know, I feel. I feel like it. It could be a a dud if drawn in the wrong time. Uh, I like webbed up and swinging assault are absolutely amazing cards. They're great and. I think the number of cards is enough. Like webbed up, if there was more than one, I feel like that might lead to some negative play experiences because of how punishing that is. It's already two stuns. Uh, again, the rest of them, like there are no cards here that are three boost icons. The rest of them are okay. They're decent, but nothing special. So yeah, it's not like I'm I'm underwhelmed or overwhelmed on the whole. It's just, it's... Are you simply whelmed? I'm simply whelmed. Well, I don't know. It's... Okay. It seems like a more a set that's just going to throw the random surprise at you, right? It's the Which yeah. Here, this is a neat one. This is this is bomb scare, you know, a little bit. And whoa, whoa, look at that swinging assault to the face, right? <laughs> and again, maybe maybe that's your bag. Maybe there's a place for sets like that. Um, yeah, just know what you're getting into. I totally agree with Mike. I give this one a C plus, maybe maybe a B minus because some of the bomb effects are pretty cool. But I don't like repeated symbiotes. I don't. I, the lack of boost icons. I do like that it's big. Oh, okay. Um, but how many mod sets don't have a... Uh, a uh... They're not scheming. Scheme. No. Not no. scheme. They're just coming at you. Yeah. Um, now, take that and put it into Venom. Venom's whole thing is every time you hit him, he gets more boost cards. Yeah. So, yeah. improvised weapons, he might have two or three boost cards. That's two or three more boost icons. Violent Tendencies, just adding more boost cards to him. You're getting webbed up. That's giving him a chance to attack you more, right? S- swinging assault. He's got more boost cards, so he's attacking you a couple times with all these extra boost cards. I think in Venom, this set is pretty good. Sure. Um, right. Yeah. So it actually, it, this would be a really good way of modifying the difficulty of Venom. Then, if you're finding the base too much, take the set out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's that's a that's a good observation. It is unfortunate that the enraged symbiotes are just the same ones. Um, but I guess the set needs every set needs a couple little guys. Or when you're playing against Venom, he needs to have some smaller minions sure. mixed in. Sure. So I like it. I I think it's fun and frustrating at times. I get, I don't know. It's I don't know how to say. It. I I don't know how to really rate it. I'm glad it exists. <laughs> it's yeah. Well, sometimes that's the best thing we can say. <laughs> yeah, I can see a part of what you're saying too. Where like. Violent Tenses would be great as an encounter card, but it just comes up as a two-boost icon card. Eh. Yeah. yeah, Unstable Sentience, you know, as a boost card when you're in, in Alter Ego, you know, it's kind of a bummer. Yep. Yeah. But, and okay, th- this is the other thing. I love the overkill. I feel like a lot of these sets need something to say, hey, look, don't rely totally on, on chump blocking. But one out of nine... Maybe if that boost icon was on a couple cards in this set, it would be a little more. It would strike a little more fear into those heroes' hearts. Mm, yeah, yeah. I'm nitpicking. I'm totally nitpicking, and I'm aware of that. Yeah, and like Steve said, this could be one. This unstable sentience could be a boost card with like six other boost cards for that attack. 
Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So with overkill, and then yeah, yeah. I think this is probably a really <laughs> swingy set with certain villains. So yeah, uh, yep, a really swingy assault set. Uh-huh. Very yeah. yeah, nice. Boo. Okay. Well, I'm curious what other people think about this, Mike. How would they let us know? Yeah, me too. I'm also curious to know um, how they've impersonated Steve. You can email us at criticalencounterspod at gmail.com. We are Critical Encounters on Facebook, and you can find our YouTube channel or Patreon by searching for Critical Encounters Podcast. And on Discord, we are Vardane, Big Foam Loaf, and Wandering Tuke. If you like our show, tell your friends. If you don't like our show, tell your enemies. Venom, take us out. Though we are a benevolent species, there's no literature on my home planet. And though it is our goal to make the universe better, we create no art, no music, no culture. At least, not as other civilizations would understand it. All we have are our hosts, the beings we join with, to forge through the cold and unforgiving cosmos with. The bond between the symbiote and its host is sacred. They give our lives context and our existence meaning. They give us history. All we have are our hosts to tell us who we are. They are anti-existentialists to the extreme. My God. <laughs> Look at that quote. I'm like, I think I got to use that one. <laughs> Inorganic <Whoa>. anti-existentialists. <laughs> they have stared into the abyss, and the abyss has stared back to them. <laughs> All right. follows is an inaccurate response by Mike about Venom. However, the rest of the conversation is somewhat humorous, so I left it in here. We will go through the Venom symbiote in the Venom issue. Enjoy! Are we allowed to play Venom against Venom? Yep, because it's a different symbiote. Okay, so we could conceivably have seven of these guys. Yeah, just for clarity for our listeners... Venom Flash Thompson is not the same symbiote as Venom the villain. He's just called the same for some reason. Like how I use uh, the name Steve whenever I get pulled over for driving too fast. <laughs> hey now. Uh, yeah, I I went through some of that Flash Thompson and the Eddie Brock Venom and the this and the that. And I don't know if it's a clone, an extraction, if it is the same one at different time periods and different whatevers. Yeah, it's it's this, very confusing. You know what? So, like, I'm watching Lord of the Rings with Lorna and Elsa, and the amount of times I have to explain Sauron, Saruman, mm. I, I, I'm just uh, enraged at Tolkien. Like, really? There's so many other. How about Sauron <laughs> and Marcus? Kevin. Marcus. <laughs> well, yes. Anything. At least in, for Tolkien, those are their Cinderin names. Because you need the same S-A, right? Like, the same um, syllables, but Sauron has a different name in the Black Speech or Quenya or whatever. So we could have gotten a non-Cinder name. This is just Venom, Venom, Venom in English. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord.